This is the Cigar Dave Podcast with The General. We are coming off of Veterans Day, and we, of course, will make sure that we properly talk about our great veterans. Consumer price index, inflation going up, up, up. May as well be hitched along to one of Elon Musk's SpaceX rockets because it's going out into the stratosphere. We'll talk about that. And also, the Salt Bay. Nusret Gorske had some visitors from a communist country who magically had loads of cash while their people are starving. And we will have part two of our two-part interview, our Cigar Masters interview with Steve Abbott, Senior Brand Manager of General Cigar, who oversees the Macanudo and La Gloria Cubana portfolios. But first... Long-ass greetings and salutations. A long-ass snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. It is your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief. Front and center from Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva. Introducing the new Avo Caribe. Experience the journey of flavor created by a synchronized blend from the Caribbean, accentuated with a touch of cigar tobaccos from Central America. Head to the land where palms sway to the breeze of the sea with the new Avo Caribe. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com and by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Trenta. Commemorating 30 years of cigar excellence, the Gurkha Trenta is everything you'd expect from a Gurkha. Exquisite construction, exquisite flavor, and exquisite pleasure. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Well, this week, the federal government announced that consumer prices have jumped more than 6.2% in October. But don't worry, my fellow alphas and fellow Americans. According to the Fed, it's only transitory. Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. According to the government, core inflation, when they strip out food and energy, and I always get a kick out of how they say, well, core inflation, excuse me. No, core inflation is in, should include food and energy because everybody must eat. And most everybody, when they travel to work or to take their kids to school, must purchase gas. So to me, when they say core inflation stripping out food and energy, no, 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 let's not play those games. Inflation up 6.2% from a year ago in October, the most since December 1990. Energy, shelter, and vehicle costs led the gains, more than wiped out the wage increases that workers received for the month. Now, inflation worse than expected in October, according to the Labor Department. Now, the Consumer Price Index is a basket of products ranging from gasoline and health care to groceries and rents rose 6.2% compared with the estimate of 5.9%. Now, 5.9% is excessive. Fuel oil prices soared over 12% for October, up 59% in the past year. 
Energy prices overall rose 4.8% in October, up 30% for the 12-month period. Now, let me just tell you this. When you get your heating bill, whether your home is heated by natural gas or oil, when you get your first heating bill this winter, you better be sitting down. The price of natural gas has tripled in less than a year. Home heating oil has increased. Coal has increased. I just heard a statistic that coal has doubled, but China has a huge appetite for coal. They built, I don't know, 15 new coal plants in the last couple of years. They're paying, my understanding, up to 8 to 10 times what we pay in the United States for coal. They cannot get enough coal. This is the same country, along with India, the two biggest polluters in the world, that said, yeah, we're not going to the UN Climate Conference. You can do whatever you want. We're not going. So meanwhile, all the other sucker countries, the U.S., France, Canada, Australia, they'll all put all these caps on emissions, and yet the two biggest polluters in the world, China and India, are nowhere to be found. You tell me. Who are the morons? Who are the big suckers? We are, especially under the Biden regime. Now, all you need to do is go into the supermarket. Go to the gas station. It's apparent. And when I hear a White House official try to slough it off saying, oh, well, inflation, these are first world problems. Tone deaf. Tone deafness to the working men and women of this country. But this is what happens. These are the elites that live in the Beltway. They're not affected by a 50% increase in gas. It's not going to affect them as they fill up their cars. It's not going to affect them as they travel in their private jets. It's not going to affect them in any way, shape, or form. But it's going to affect much of America. And this is what I say when we talk about flyover country. When you look at the Midwest, even not the Midwest, you look at most parts of New York State. Vast parts are not cities. The vast land area, land mass in most every state is rural. But yet we have these elitists, the elitists that are the bureaucrats, that are in the federal government, that are the policymakers, that are on the board of the Fed, these economists. These are the people that say, oh, no, 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 inflation is transitory. Don't worry about it. Next year, it's going to go down. It'll, it, should be, it should level off 2% next year. It's not going to level off 2% next year. Who are they kidding? Best ever quote I heard, definition I ever heard, defining an economist. I'll share with you. An economist is a man who knows 100 ways to make love, but doesn't know any women. Bingo. Economists have no clue what is going to happen. And so when I hear Jerome Powell, who is the head of the Fed, saying, well, inf inflation is transitory, that we think next year it should moderate. It's only temporary, and we're not going to raise interest rates because we're not at full employment yet. Let me tell you exactly what's going to happen. We are going to have massive inflation. I've been saying this for a while. We are going to have an economic condition called stagflation, a stagnant economy and massive inflation. And the only way out of it is to raise interest rates to reduce demand. When you reduce demand, prices come down. Remember, supply and demand. When there's a lot of demand and there's little supply, prices go up. I learned that in Economics 101. 
When there's ample supply, little demand, prices come down. How do you destimulate demand? Very simply, raise interest rates. When you raise interest rates, cost people more to do things, that will reduce demand. You'll see the housing market uh, cool down. You'll see companies won't be in expansion mode. So you'll see things cool down, but at the same time, what will then happen? We will get into a recession. So you almost have to get into a recession to wipe out the massive inflation. That is a huge issue. We saw it in the 80s. 21% interest rates, 22, 23% interest rates, stagflation, the worst of all possible conditions. And yet we've got Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, who, by the way, probably will not be renominated by brainless Biden. He's going to put an ultra liberal who's a dove, meaning she wants low interest rates. So they're going to keep printing money. We're going to have massive inflation. Who's going to get wealthier? The one-tenth of one percent. All those big corporations and the big Wall Street firms that can go out and borrow money at one percent, one and a quarter percent, where it costs you three, four, five percent to borrow money. It is a rigged game. Make no mistake about it. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a banker up in Cincinnati, Sergeant Steve's former stomping ground. And I was talking to him, and I said, you know, what, is, what are you seeing right now? What is going on? I said, you see any interest rate increases? He said, right now, we don't, not with this Fed. So said, the problem is you cannot make money as a bank in this environment. Nobody's borrowing. There are all these companies that got massive amounts of bailout funds and the uh, PPE funds, they're flush with cash. They don't need loans to buy new equipment. They're not expanding right now, so there's no loan demand. He was telling me that a depositor just, or a, a, a company they do business with, the owner of the company sold his business. He's got $20 million in personal cash that he wants to deposit. And there's a way in which you can deposit cash in one bank, but they spread it out to like 100 banks so that it's fully insured by the FDIC. He said, what kind of interest rate can you give me? The bank president told him and he told me, he said, we're not going to give you anything. He said, unless you commit to keeping that a year, he said, I can probably give you maybe three-tenths of a percent, if that. Now think about that. $20 million. You walk into any bank five years ago, 10 years ago, and say, I've got $20 million in cash. What kind of interest rate are you going to give me? Trust me. When there's demand for loans, for every dollar they take in and deposit, they can make $5 in loans. So that $20 million in deposit revenue becomes $100 million in loans they can make money on. They make money on the spread. The cheapest form of money for them is depositors. So five years ago, you put in $20 million into a bank. If you were fortunate enough to have $20 million lying around, no problem. You were going to get a premium interest rate. Today... Good luck. They'll pay you zero. Zero. That is a huge problem. And all these economic problems, inflation, a stagnant economy, we're seeing interest rates that are artificially low, the Fed pumping up money. What does that mean to you? It means you better be prepared. Because the stock market's going to go down, don't know when. And even though the Fed is saying, well, we, we're only going to have maybe an interest rate increase, possibly two, sometime in 2022, 
They should be raising interest rates right now. The housing market is way too hot. The stock market now keeps going up. Why? Because more and more free money is pumped in. When there's all this money floating around and there's 0% interest rates, what do you do? You got more money chasing the same number of stock that's out there. Price is going to go up. So if you think we're going to have two interest rate increases in 2022 and that's going to be enough, forget it. No chance. No chance. In fact, the St. Louis Fed President James Bullard told CNBC the Fed has indicated a narrow likelihood of just one increase next year. We are screwed, man, I am telling you. And if you think electricity costs are going to be capped at 50%, 60%, 100%, forget it. We're going to see the biggest jump in energy bills in more than a decade. I said when Sleepy Joe Brainless Biden was elected. I went on, and I think I'd said it on a podcast very, very quickly thereafter, maybe a year ago, November. I said, mark my words, these socialist Democrats are going to destroy the United States of America. They will do everything they can to destroy this country. Why? Well, they hate this country. They hate America. They hate America. They always say, oh, no, we love America. No, they hate America. They despise a capitalist system. They despise people that are successful, unless they're successful or it's one of their cronies. Because remember, in all these communist and socialist countries, there's always a small group of elites that cash in and rake in. We'll give you a perfect example about communist Vietnam in just a few minutes. And I stated at the time, mark my words, they will do everything they can to destroy this country. They hate America. And I said probably the best thing that could happen to the United States with the election of the socialist Democrats and Marxists, the Ilhan Omars, the AOCs, and I always get a kick out of Ilhan Omar. Here's a broad that was eating sand in a Somali desert for umpteen years. Refugee, probably living in a tent, eating sand. And when the opportunity presents itself to immigrate to any country in the world, she could have gone to Britain, probably could have gone to France, whole number of countries she could have immigrated to. Where did she select in her family? The United States of America. The country that she hates. The country that she says is an evil colonizer. The country that she says is systemically racist. This broad, who was eating sand in the damn desert, hated this country so much that she was running her ass off to get to the United States, she and her family. And when she gets here, they're on welfare. When she gets here, the generosity of the American people and the taxpayers give them a place to live, feed them, educate them. She ends up becoming a, a congresswoman, elected to Congress. And what does she immediately do? She starts attacking the very country that opened its welcoming arms. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of these socialist bastard pricks that constantly call out the evil of the United States. We're systemically racist. We're evil. We're colonizers. No country has done more for the benefit of the deprived than this nation. When people are attacked in other parts of the world, 
What's the first country those what's the first country that those people call upon to save them, to help them? The United States of America. We don't go in as conquerors. We go in to liberate and leave. Although in Afghanistan, it took us way too long to leave. That's another story. But I said at the time, the best thing that could happen to the United States under this regime is for the United States to be burnt down to the studs. I said, I want a terrible economy. I want a recession. I, and people were like, are you crazy? You're wishing that? I said, you're damn right. Because sometimes you have to burn it to build it back up. And the only way that the morons that voted for all these socialist Marxist pricks and for brainless Biden, even though we know it was a fraudulent election, fraudulent elections have consequences. Don't tell me he got 81 million votes. That's bullshit. You know it. I know it. We all know it. Guy can't even draw eight people at an event. So please, don't tell me 81 million. He's now down to 35% approval rating. Trump never hit that. Why? Because Trump had a very solid base. Biden has no base. None. There's no enthusiasm for Biden. Kamala Harris is down to 23% approval. Good luck, Miss Bobblehead. Forget it. And they're talking about her as a possible candidate in 2024. Please, yes, Kamala, please run. Yes, I hope you win the nomination because Trump is going to clean your clock. I said at the time, we had to burn it down to build it back up. And now that people have seen what a disaster the socialist Marxist policies, the spending, the ridiculous build back bullshit bill they're now trying to stuff through Congress and the Senate that would destroy, make this country a giant, bigger welfare state than it already is. I said, what will happen is the economy will collapse. We'll see inflation. We will see people that will say, enough's enough. This is nonsense. These clowns are incompetent. And what have we seen? They burned it right to the ground. The border is porous. It's a sieve. Two million illegal aliens. And that's what we call them. They're not immigrants. They're illegal aliens. The first thing they're doing, they're breaking the law of the United States of America by coming over. My mother is an illegal immigrant, 100% legal. She couldn't come into the United States for, I think, three years they said, if you come in on your student visa from Canada, then we are going to, we'll deport you and you can never come in. So my grandparents had legally immigrated to the United States. Could not, my mother could not come over across the border from Canada to the United States to see them. She went through the legal process. And you talk to any legal immigrant, they will tell you the same thing. I paid my dues. I waited my time. I waited in line. I did everything correctly. I became a citizen the legal way. And I am, you ask any immigrant, they'll tell you, legal immigrant, they'll say it, 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 I, it's abhorrent that illegal aliens are crossing this border and then they're being sheltered, they're being given cash, and now we've got the Department of Justice saying, well, because if your kids were separated, even though you came here illegally, we'll cut you a check for 450 grand. Oh, by the way, a million a family. Outrageous. And then Biden initially says, no, that's not happening, changes his tune like everything else because he's too senile to realize what's going on around him. And then he gets angry saying, if you were separated by the cruel policies of the Trump administration, you should get money. 
You know what's cruel? A parent that schleps their kid 10 days, 2 weeks, 4 weeks, 6 weeks, 8 weeks across multiple countries, crossing the Rio Grande, paying the cartels, paying the coyotes to bring them across, their kids getting sick, and then dumping their kids or abandoning their kids, and we're the cruel ones? Screw you. And screw the Biden administration. And screw any American that thinks paying illegal aliens is a great idea. You have to burn it to the ground. So what do we see? The border has been burnt to the ground. Americans are fed up. Independents, Republicans, even a good percentage of Democrats are saying this ain't what we signed up for. They're turning on Biden. Critical race theory being taught in schools. Parents are pissed. They've seen what's being taught to their kids over the last year and a half through remote learning. Now that parents can see what's going on in the classroom, they're saying, not so fast. Wrong. They're seeing massive inflation. They're seeing brainless Biden and the nincompoops at the Department of Energy shutting down pipelines, canceling gas and oil well leases. A country that was energy independent less than a year ago is now energy dependent. And we're begging Russia, OPEC, and Saudi Arabia to pump more gas. And now there's a report that they're talking about cutting another pipeline in the Midwest. How stupid are these people? So Americans see that. Independents, Republicans, and a good chunk of Democrats are saying, I'm not happy about fuel prices up 60%. I'm sure shit isn't happy about paying massive amounts of, uh, for food. Things that I used to pay for now are 30, 40, 50, 100%, if not more. The country has been burnt to the ground. The good news, this is the first step in rebuilding it. This is the first step. If the Republicans play it right, they can control the House for the next 20 to 30 years. We've got minorities that are saying enough is enough with the taxocrat Democrat Socialist Party. In the Virginia election, 15% of blacks voted for Yunkin. That's an increase of where Trump uh, received on the black vote, 13%. And if you think that Black Americans should be taken for granted that, that the Democrats, they listen, they are, there's no question that Democrats care more about black Americans than Republicans. There's only one problem with that. It's only on one day of the year, election day. The other 364 days, they don't give a damn. And now people are waking up. Hispanics are saying, no more with the Democrats. And everybody thinks, oh, let's let all the illegals in. The Hispanics will be for that. No way. Not happening. The Hispanics that have come to this country legally said, enough's enough. We're fed up. Not going to happen. And by the way, all the Venezuelans and the Cubans and other Hispanics, South Americans that have come from socialist, communist country, they've lived through that bullshit. They don't want to live through it here, and that's why President Trump scored massive numbers of the Hispanic vote in 2020. And if he runs again... He'll get massive numbers again, on higher than what he got. The first step to building America back up has begun. Next year in the midterms, mark my words, the Republicans, I thought maybe they'd pick up 20, 30 seats after what's taking place in the country now. Sergeant Steve, mark this down. 
70 to 100 seat pickup by the Republicans in the House. Senate, I'm telling you, they're going to have a five seat majority in the Senate. Mark it down. We'll check it a year from now and see if I am correct. And if I'm correct, we'll be celebrating with massive cigars and fantastic spirits. One last thing. Janet Yellen, who is the former Fed chair, now she is the Secretary of the Treasury. Total dope. Total zero. Clueless. Clueless. Said that she expects price increases to level off and that we'll go back to an inflation rate that's closer to 2% in 2022. Excuse me. No chance. In fact, one of our favorite Lightning players would say this about that. Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Total number one bullshit. Total. Inflation ain't going away anytime soon. Only way we get rid of it, massive interest rate increases. Let's see what happens. Speaking of inflation, here's the gauge that I use. I just saw a statistic from the Department of Agriculture's retail price report showing that bone-in ribeye roast this holiday season is $16.99 a pound. Last year at this time, it was $8.71 a pound, an increase of 95%. Bacon, $5.62 a pound a year ago, $7.22 a pound, 30 to 50% increases. You name the cut of meat, it has gone up. I use Costco as a reference. That's where I buy most of my meat, especially ribs, my briskets. So let me give you a perfect example. One year ago, I was paying a buck sixteen, about a dollar forty-nine to a dollar sixty-nine for baby backs or St. Louis ribs per pound. Last time I bought them two weeks ago, four sixty-nine a pound. Now you go buy those ribs in a supermarket, you're going to be paying probably eight ninety-nine a pound. But I use Costco as a good reference. Up 178% in less than a year. Let's look at brisket. USDA Prime full packer brisket. I buy the entire brisket. It's got the flat and it's got the point. I trim that brisket. It's a big brisket. Those packer briskets can be between 12 and 18, 19, 20 pounds. One year ago, this time, I paid $1.99 a pound. USDA Prime. Last time I bought it, about a month ago, four sixty-nine a pound, a hundred and thirty-six percent increase. Don't tell me that inflation is only six percent. Inflation is far increased. They play games. They take this out. They take that out. They always play games. Bottom line, they are full of baloney. Food prices massive increase. You're going to see it at the Thanksgiving when you go to do your Thanksgiving shopping. You will see it. Turkey will be increased. Some supplies may be sh uh, short. We still have the supply chain issues. And yet Pete Buttigieg, instead of saying, hey, I'm going out to these ports, we're going to get things moving, and I'm going to relax some regulations for truckers so we can get 19-year-olds or 20-year-olds that can cross state lines instead of being 21, hasn't done that. Instead, Mr. Paternity Leave is talking about how with this new Build Back bullshit or the new the new um, uh, uh, infrastructure bill that was just that was just passed and about to be signed into law, that they're going to be able to uh, destroy, to to demolish and build better bridges that were built as racist monuments, so that 
certain minorities couldn't travel to different places, which has been totally disproven. But this is the nonsense that he is focusing on. This clown couldn't fill the potholes in little shitty South Bend. Now, I'm sorry. If you live in South Bend, Indiana, I'm sorry. South Bend is not exactly what I'd call a metropolis. I've been to South Bend. Sergeant Steve, you've been to South Bend, right? You've seen your Michigan Wolverines there, haven't you? I haven't seen a game there, but I've been through South Bend. Yeah, not exactly what I'd call a shining, booming metropolis. No. He couldn't even fill the potholes in a small city of, what, 100,000 people? And now he's in charge of transportation of a nation of 50 states and 350 million people? Good luck. Clueless. No clue. He ought to spend his time at every port saying, what do we need to do? I will get rid of bureaucracy. I will do what it takes. He's a wussified beta male. He is clueless. Doesn't know how to deal. A real alpha would get in there and say, get me on a plane to L.A. Get me on a plane to Long Beach. I want to talk to the ports. I want to talk to the shippers. I want to talk to the truckers. I want to see what we need to do to get things moving. And if that means bringing in the National Guard in different states, if that means relaxing rules, whatever it takes, I'm going to work on it 24-7. If I was the Secretary of Transportation, you can be sure this problem would be solved. But instead, Mr. Paternity Leave, nowhere to be found. Total joke. So meat prices going through the roof, food prices through the roof. And we talked about socialists, and we talked about communists. And we talk about the fact that living in those countries, you are deprived of the basic necessities. Good luck going to Cuba or Venezuela and getting more than your ration of rice and beans or milk. Good luck. Venezuela was an incredibly wealthy country. Oil exports, vibrant economy, banking industry. And then we saw the communists take over. Socialists, the communists. And what has happened? Venezuela has become, not a third world country, an eighth world country. Rations of food, electricity going out, an energy sector that is decimated. Yet the top quarter of 1% in all these socialist and communist countries seem to do okay. They live okay. While their people starve, they're living large. I told you about President Nicolas Maduro, the dictator of Venezuela. 2018, three years ago, while visiting Turkey on a state uh, a government visit, he ends up at Nusret Steakhouse, home of the favorite Salt Bay, Nusret Gorska, the guy that slices his meat, he whacks the meat, spanks the meat, takes the salt just like a, like a snake, like a uh, python, and he basically sprinkles it on the meat, very, I mean, you go to social media, it's all over the place. He's been parodied, got restaurants all over the place. They're known for their $2,000 gold tomahawk ribeye steak. $2,000, and it's probably worth 80 bucks, tops. I know people that have gone there that said, oh, yeah, the food's great. It's a ripoff. Well, Nicholas Maduro was caught with Nusret. Now, here's a guy that is the dictator of a country where people are starving, can't get toilet paper, can't get paper towels, can't get the basics. He's smoking a big Cuban cigar at Nusret Steakhouse in Istanbul, Turkey, while the Salt Bay is slicing up a $2,000 steak. And, of course, it goes all over social media. He's living large. 
Let's take a look at Vietnam. Communist country. The Vietnam, a Vietnamese Minister of Public Security, To Lam, T-O-L-A-M, To Lam, two words, led a delegation to the United Useless Nations Climate Summit in Glasgow, Scotland, a couple of weeks ago. And they went to London first to pose for photos at the grave of the father of communism, Karl Marx. They laid their wreaths, they paid their respects, according to Vietnamese state media, Karl Marx is responsible for more death, destruction, and poverty than any one individual in the world. Communism is a disaster. It is a failed social experiment. But as soon as the Vietnamese delegation, including their Minister of Public Security, To Lam, were finished laying the wreath and taking pictures, paying their respects to Karl Marx, their next stop was to the Nusret Steakhouse in London. And who was there? The Salt Bay, Nusret Gorchke. And what did they order? You got it. A $2,000 gold foil encrusted tomahawk ribeye steak, a tomahawk chop ribeye. And of course, in true Salt Bay style, the celebrity chef put on a performance. He theatrically sliced the meat. He then sprinkled the kosher salt in his style. Then he took the steak knife. He picks up a slab of the gold-covered meat you know, slice piece, and then what he does is he has whomever is dining open their mouth and he gently places the strip of meat in their mouth. He does that primarily to hot women. It's a very erotic, sensual experience. I'm telling you, if you go on social media, Sergeant Steve, let's put some links on Facebook and Twitter and uh, on our website so people can see it. And also there was a great parody that Saturday Night Live did that is absolutely hysterical. We will include that as well to see how his whole theatrical style goes. So not only does he go, this Vietnamese official, communist country, pays his respect to Karl Marx, and then the next thing, his delegation probably drops six to 8000 maybe $10,000 on dinner and drinks at Nusret Steakhouse. Now here's the kicker. How much does To Lam, as the Minister of Public Security for the country of Vietnam, earn in a month? His official wage, six to eight hundred dollars per month. Six to eight hundred bucks. Now you tell me, how is it that a government official on a six to eight hundred dollar a month salary afford dining out and enjoying two thousand dollar gold plated foil steaks? Very simple. Because the six to $800 is what their official salary is. But all these high echelon elitists in socialist, communist, Marxist countries always live high off the hog. You're living low off the hog looking for the scraps, the elite living high off the hog. So if you think that when these socialist Democrats like Barack Obama and AOC and Ilhan Omar and Biden and you name it, you think that they are telling people, you need to cut your carbon, need to reduce meat, you need to change your lifestyle, you need to sacrifice. If you think for a millisecond they're going to sacrifice living in their expensive homes like Barack Obama in his $13 million estate home on the water at sea level in Martha's Vineyard, or you think that AOC and Ilhan Omar are going to stop living high off the hog, think again. They'll live high off the hog. You'll be scraping for the shit underneath the hog. The National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony is next.
Avo Cigars has just launched the newest addition to the Avo Synchro series entitled the Avo Synchro Caribe. Fourth line in the Avo Synchro series, it is centered around the concept of tobacco synchronization. They incorporate the diversity, complexity, and compatibility of cigar tobaccos from the Caribbean and Central America to create a natural harmony, a Caribbean soul, a very dynamic cigar. It uses natural distribution. What does that mean? The proportions of the cigar tobaccos on any given plant perfectly matched in the blending process. So what you get is a Dominican wrapper. You get filler tobaccos from Nicaragua, a binder from Ecuador that are matched absolutely perfectly. The taste, a lively, dynamic, harmonious flavor profile of Caribbean flavors, aromatic spices, some complex cocoa, a beautiful medium-bodied cigar with subtle sweetness resembling tropical fruits. The flavors, rhythm, and lifestyle of the tropics are encapsulated in the new Avo Synchro Caribe, available now at your cigar retailer or DavidoffGeneva.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. When I get wound up, I just cannot help myself. You know, the one thing I can't stand is the hypocrisy. We don't accept it here on the Cigar Dave Show. We call it right out, and you call it out as alphas. Now, speaking of alphas, over our 200-plus year history, we have had many women and now, or correction, many men and now women that are serving or have served in the armed forces. Veterans Day was on Thursday, and if you think we're forgetting our great veterans, you better think again. That never will be forgotten here on the Cigar Dave Show. We don't forget Memorial Day. We don't forget Veterans Day. So today, as we listen to the Armed Forces Medley, I want to say to all of our great veterans, whether you served in the Coast Guard, the Army, the Navy, the Marines, the Air Force, I extend to you a thankful, long-ash, snappy salute. We are grateful for your service. We are grateful for those men who fought in the Revolutionary War. We are grateful for those men that served in the Civil War. We are grateful for those men that served in World War II, that liberated the countries that were invaded by the evil Nazis, by the Germans, by the Italians, and by the Japanese. Well, today 18-year-olds are sitting in safe spaces on their college campuses. The 16, 17, and 18-year-old boys back in World War II, there were no safe spaces. Their safe space considered was, was consisted of being shot at as they were storming the beaches, as they were attacking Iwo Jima, as they were in the African desert, as they were storming Europe. There were no safe spaces. Korean War, Vietnamese War, the Gulf Wars, Afghanistan, Iraq, we thank every one of our veterans. We are grateful. We are a grateful nation. And as far as I'm concerned, we have a big problem in our schools today. Not only are they pumping out the CRT, the uh, critical race theory nonsense, they're not teaching American history. They're not teaching about the wars that our veterans took part in, that served. 
They're not talking about why we speak English today and not German. Perhaps more time in our nation's schools and colleges should be devoted to talking about American history and our great veterans. So today we salute you, and I salute you with a very appropriate cigar. It is Veterans Day, it is a patriotic holiday, therefore we need a patriotic cigar. So I have selected the Camacho American Barrel Age Cigar, very unique cigar, a cigar that shatters expectations, an intense cigar that sets the tone for life without limits. Inspired by the craftsmanship of Kentucky bourbon, the master builders at Camacho have created a cigar that blazes new frontiers in complexity. It features a USA American broadleaf wrapper, an American broadleaf binder, the filler, USA American broadleaf, USA American Pennsylvania Maduro with a touch of Honduran barrel-aged Corojo. The result is a cigar that is medium to full. I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, it is probably in the 7 to 8 category. Strength, flavor, aged in the barrel using nearly 100% American cigar tobacco leaves, beautiful oily wrapper and fillers. A beautiful cigar comes in three sizes. A Robusto, 5x50, a Gordo 6x60, and a Toro, six, inch, 6 inches in length with a 50 ring gauge or 50, 64, 7 inch in diameter. And that's what I have just selected today, my fantastic looking Camacho, American barrel aged Toro. Suggested retail, about 12 bucks, can't go wrong, it's a beautiful stick, love the band, love the look, has a dark black band with some nice orange accompaniment. Accentuated uh, accentuates the main body of the band. There's a secondary band on the foot of the cigar that denotes American barrel-aged. Beautiful-looking cigar, and that's what I will enjoy today as we celebrate Veterans Day. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready for action. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, I've got the CD5 Star. Five jet flames, butane flames, arranged in a Pentagon design to commemorate this five-star general. That's what I'll use today. has a built-in piercer, nice translucent tank. I'm right now at about 80% full. Nice little compact lighter. Five jet flames, even in windy conditions, works like a charm. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. Let me toast the foot of this Camacho. American barrel aged. I love their slogan. Live loud. Camacho. Strength is strength and character is in their DNA, and I can tell you, with this Camacho American barrel aged, you better believe there's strength, there's character, loud. Tasty, beautiful, masterfully built cigar. All right, the cigar is now properly toasted. Wrapper toasted. Binder and filler is now toasted. Let's puff and rotate, taking our time. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm. That's one puff for the Marines. One puff for the Coast Guard. One puff for the Navy. One puff for the Army, 
and one puff for the Air Force. Now, I'll take one large puff for all of them and our great veterans. Oh, outstanding. Perfect timing. Way to end the litation and libation ceremony. Whoop! I still got a lot. I almost forgot. I need the proper accoutrement for this fantastic Camacho American barrel aged. Not going the alcoholic route today. Sergeant Steve, hit it. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst quenching libationary maneuvers. So, on the way into Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A, today I stopped to fill up and I went to Wawa. I remember the first time I heard of Wawa. I'm like, what? Wawa? Wawa? What is it? Never heard of it. Started in, I think, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Well known up in Pennsylvania. Came to Florida about five, six years ago. They're known for their sandwiches, a convenience store. Their gas is reasonably priced. Very clean, very nice facility. Love their coffee. They have like 10 selections of fresh brewed coffee. And if you remember their frequent, whatever they call it, their frequent shopper club or whatever on the app every Tuesday, you show your app, uh, you show the barcode, and you get a complimentary coffee, whatever size you want. How can you go wrong with that? So this morning, they had 10 great selections. I normally get the decaf. usually get three-quarters decaf, and I take a quarter of one of the bolder coffees. I like a richer coffee. No lightweight, uh, low-octane for this general. Well, during the holiday season, Thanksgiving to Christmas, New Year's, they have their pumpkin holiday spice. So I took a little sip of that, and I purchased, they actually sell it in the bag. You can get it ground or in the beans. It's got a nice taste. There's nutmeg, there's cinnamon, a little bit of sweetness. Very nice. So what I did is I took a large 20-ounce cup, double cupped, because it is hot when it comes out of the urn, three quarters of their decaf blend, one quarter of their pumpkin holiday spice. Let me take a sip. Mmm. Mmm. Just enough pumpkin spice to give it some nice notes. If I were to drink this straight up, pumpkin spice, too sweet for me. But with my three quarters decaf and just a little bit of the spice, pumpkin spice, it's a beautiful accompaniment, not only to this cigar, but if you wanted to just enjoy it by itself, it's very nice. Let me take another sip. Mm. Wawa does have excellent coffee, no question about it, and good gas prices too. Clean, very nice facilities all over the place. You've never seen them? And you're, I think they're now in Florida. They're in New Jersey, Pennsylvania. I think they're in Maryland, the Mid-Atlantic. Maybe they'll be in Georgia. Who knows? But if you come to Florida or any of those other aforementioned states, it is a pretty nice, uh, they're nice facilities. Let me take up another puff here. Oh, I'll tell you something. This Camacho Age, Barrel Age Toro, getting nice, Definite notes of a little bit of the, the the bourbon barrel, but I'm getting with the American broadleaf tobaccos. I'm getting some nice sweetness with just a little bit of spice on it. It's just a well-rounded cigar all the way around. So my Camacho American barrel age properly lit. I've got my Wawa three quarters decaf, one quarters pumpkin holiday spice libation, and litation ceremony is complete on this Veterans Week. And again, a long-ass snappy salute to all you great veterans. We are most appreciative of your efforts on behalf of the United States of America. Now, when we return, we'll continue with our Cigar Masters series. We'll be joined 
part two of our two-part series with Steve Abbott, the senior brand manager of General Cigar, overseeing the Macanudo and La Gloria Cubana portfolios, two very, very important portfolios in General Cigar. And we'll talk about the specific brands. Part one, last week, we talked about Steve's background, how he got into the cigar industry. This week, we spend more time on the Macanudo and La Gloria Cubana portfolios. And we will hit it with Steve as the Cigar Dave show continues. Gurkha is known for creating the world's finest cigars. And to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Gurkha brand being launched in the United States, the blenders at Gurkha created the Gurkha Trenta. Celebrating and commemorating 30 years of cigar excellence, the Gurkha Trenta, everything you would expect from a Gurkha. Exquisite construction, exquisite flavor, exquisite pleasure. A nice medium, medium full-bodied cigar featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. A Nicaraguan Corojo 99 binder and the filler, Nicaraguan Corojo 99, Nicaraguan Criollo 98, created by the great blenders and growers at Aganorsa Farms in Nicaragua. And what you get is a signature cigar that has unique flavors, perfect spice, perfect amount of complexity on the palate, a cigar worthy of Gurkha's 30 years being available in the United States. Try the Gurkha Trenta today. You will enjoy the experience and the overall characteristic that goes into blending this magnificent cigar. A beautiful Nicaraguan puro worthy of being called Gurkha Trenta. Our Cigar Masters series continues this week. Part two of our two-part interview with Steve Abbott, Senior Brand Manager at General Cigar, who oversees the Macanudo and La Gloria Cubana portfolio as we spend time analyzing and going in depth everything you need to know about Macanudo and La Gloria Cubana. Let's move into the Macanudo and La Gloria Cubana portfolios. Now, Steve, I know that both of these are your babies. And if somebody said, well, which do you prefer better? You'd say, hey, these are, I, I love them both the same. But let's start with Macanudo because really, when you think about General Cigar, Macanudo was the brand that really catapulted General Cigar. Macanudo became the number one selling brand, I believe, in the world for many years. And I think it's still ranked up there in the United States uh, in terms of the number of cigars that are sold. And let's start off with the Macanudo Cafe. That's what began the Macanudo story. So let's focus on that and talk about that cigar. You're absolutely right. That uh, That is the flagship of the Macanudo brand. It's so funny to, for me, and, and in, interesting to uh, run into people and I tell them, hey, I work on the Macanudo brand. And uh, they, they have stories to tell me of, of whether that was their first cigar they smoked or, you know, how their father smoked it or grandfather smoked it. It's a tried and true brand that... Uh, is is just a um, it's just a real um, emo- it has a, a, a strong emotional connection with a lot of people and um, it uh, it's to your point earlier, Dave. It's uh, it is just out there in a lot of locations, and that um, that strategy of of really getting the brand out into you know every, every uh, place you could 
get a cigar out to is uh, it's, it's really held um, true today. It, uh, it, it has a great distribution. Uh, it's got a great following, and um, it's um, it's a you know fantastic brand. Um, it's got that Ecuador. I'm sorry. It's got that Connecticut shade wrapper uh, from Connecticut. And it's got a uh, San Andreas binder, and then it's got fillers from San Andreas and um, the Dominican Republic. And um, just comes together in nice, smooth, creamy uh, smoking experience. Totally. You know, there for many years there was this misperception that Mexican tobacco was strong, bitter, very harsh. And I would always point people to the fact that Macanudo contained a Mexican San Andrean binder and Mexican San Andrean filler. And people would say, no, there's no way. That that cigar is mild and creamy, notes of sweetness. I said, it absolutely. And I, I, I said, that's why the misconception is so wrong because the Mexican tobacco, which by the way, today, manufacturers can't get enough of. They love the, the Mexican San Andrean tobacco that the Torrents grow because it is so exceptional. And it's been in Macanudo for, geez, I got to say at least what 40 45 years maybe longer yeah you're you're absolutely right there dave it's it's a it's a key component of the blend although you're right it's it's kind of that sleeper not a lot of people think that there is mexican tobacco in there but certainly there is well i'll tell you one thing about macanudo and i think that i feel very confident in saying this I don't believe there's any other single brand that has more sizes available than Macanudo Cafe. Most of the sizes you're releasing for Inspirado, you have three or four sizes. Toro, Robusto, uh, maybe you have a Churchill. Those are the primary, the big, you know, the big three or a Magnum. But when you take a look at the Macanudo Cafe, I mean, you have everything from the miniatures, the caviar, which is, I think, what, four by, I want to say, like, 28, something like that. The Ascots, which is a great Corona. The Diplomat, the Lord. I mean, you go all the way up till a double Corona. You've got Tubes, the Portofino, which is a nice Panatella. you got everything in that line, and you don't see that anymore today. No, you certainly don't. I, it, there is 21 active sizes on our you know our price list so we we sell 21 sizes of macanudo in different configurations etc so um you're absolutely right um you know nowadays it seems like most brands are three four five and then you know depending on how many you actually see on the shelf the reality is is the shelf is much more crowded right in the stores than it than it was back in the day when Brands like Macanudo and Partagas and, uh, you know, those heritage brands are really out there in strength. Um, there's, it's, it's gotten so crowded that uh, there's no way you can have 21 uh, different sizes nowadays. Steve, let's talk about the line extension of the Macanudo that has gone extremely well. I believe this is about four years ago, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong by a year or so, but you launched the Macanudo Inspirado series, starting with, I believe it was the Macanudo Inspirado White. Then you've added, I think, the green, the orange, the Inspirado Red, the Inspirado Black. Very different take on the Macanudo Cafe. More strength, more flavor. 
definitely towards a different connoisseur. You're absolutely right, Dave. We we launched that. We actually launched it internationally uh, to in I think it was 2015, and then it did so well overseas that we brought it into the U.S. and and launched it. And uh, to your point, there is now five full-time blends in the Inspirato line, and really um, kind of covers the gamut everywhere from you know any anywhere between a like a Ecuadorian Connecticut shade type of a smoother, uh, milder cigar to a more fuller strength uh, Nicaraguan uh, or Brazilian uh, profile. So that line has really been geared to that tobacco story. So really trying to find inter interesting tobacco uh, stories in the blend or in the process that, um, that that we can really bring something unique to the uh, the smoking experience and and offer something that maybe consumers haven't haven't seen before. Let's talk about the Macanudo Inspirado White because that uses the Connecticut Ecuadorian wrapper, so a little bit different in terms of the construction using the Ecuadorian Connecticut rather than the Connecticut USA. So it's going to have a little bit more flavor. Indonesian binder, and you use Nicaraguan fillers from Condega and Jalapa and Mexican San Andreas. Still on the mild side, but I think it tends to be more the mild to medium side. Definitely a little bit richer than the regular Macanudo Cafe, but not overpowering. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting tasting notes in there. Just going through the blend there, you know, a lot of a lot of different countries in there uh, or regions of countries. So uh, it, it brings a uh, unique um, creamy smoke. Uh, it's it's kind of packed with hints of spice. Uh, and um, it's by far our, our best seller in the Inspirato line. And um, just a uh, wonderful, you know, morning cigar or, you know, a cigar you're looking to smoke uh, when you, you don't really want uh, something really heavy. The Macanudo Inspirado Green, we were talking about the Macanudo Brazilian Shade, but the Inspirado Green uses a Brazilian wrapper, but an Arapiraca wrapper. So that's going to have definitely more flavor, Indonesian binder, Colombian, Dominican filler, more on the medium-bodied side, definitely a lot more personality than the Inspirado White, which tends to be more of a creamier type cigar. But this definitely has some very nice, unique flavors in the medium-bodied category. Yeah, it's whenever, you know, the, that Brazilian tobacco brings something, a uh, unique taste to the cigar. And it's that earthy sweetness. Um, and uh, I, 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 I really like this cigar. It's, you know, it's one of those cigars that's not for everybody. But um, certainly, certainly it, uh, it's, it's been uh, a, a hit with uh, a group of consumers. It, it brings... Like I said, that earthy sweetness and, and a little bit of black pepper, um, but uh, a nice medium smoke uh, just to kind of, again, to change it up. And if you if you like that Brazilian profile, this one's a, a really nice one to uh, to give it give a shot. Now, you have two cigars in the Macanudo Inspirado lineup that are on the fuller flavored side, the Inspirado Black and the Inspirado Red. If you would contrast both of those cigars. 
Yeah, so you know, black is a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a contradiction. It's it's on the medium plus side, I'd say. Some people say medium. It's uh, it, with that really dark Maduro uh, Connecticut broadleaf and uh, a wrapper. It um, it it you think it's going to hit you over the head, but it it really brings um, more of that Maduro kind of those Maduro notes of, of dark dark mocha uh, with a little bit of spice. Um, and it, it has an Ecuadorian Sumatra binder and Nicaraguan filler from Esteli. So there is a bit of spice to it, but uh, when you compare that to uh, our red, that's more of a traditional Nicaraguan uh, type of profile where we are using um, uh, a jalapa binder and ometepe in the filler and uh, hamastron and esteli, uh, all those fillers combined, um, kind of surrounded by uh, Ecuadorian Habano wrappers. So you do get more of that, that, uh, those, 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 that taste of Nicaragua that's so popular nowadays. I would, I mean, I love all the Macanudo Inspirados, the cafe. To me, you can never go wrong with any Macanudo. I don't, if you, if you go into a cigar retailer and you don't know what to pick and you pick anything in the Macanudo lineup, you're not going to go wrong. But a cigar that I really gravitate towards that I think sometimes gets overlooked because there are so many newer releases, but the Macanudo 1968 to celebrate the launch year of the Macanudo, to me, one of the great cigars from General Cigar, Honduran San Agustin wrapper, Habano, Connecticut binder, Dominican, Nicaraguan Esteli, Nicaraguan Ometepe. This is a rich, full, very elegant cigar from the time you put it in your mouth to the band to the packaging. I love the Macanudo 68. Yeah, it's it's a real fan favorite. There are there's a pocket of people who just love this. It's it's our fullest Macanudo blend and uh like you said it just it it delivers uh some really interesting smoking uh smoking notes um but it 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 packs a punch and um wow um if you can find it out there it's not in in all all the stores so if you can find it it's worth picking up uh and keeping in the humidor for uh you know those times you want like a nice beefy cigar after that you know, steak dinner. Well, I'll tell you what. On an afternoon of watching football, the Macanudo 1968 Court, which is a four and a quarter by 36. It's a petite Corona. You give me that with a glass a snifter of cognac or a snifter of Gentleman Jack, and I am good to go. Let's move into the, finally with the Macanudo lineup, let's take a look at the Macanudo Cru Royale. Another cigar, another Macanudo line extension that I, I'm trying to remember how many years ago. Steve, was that about 10 years ago that was released? Yeah, that's about right, Dave. It's been, I think, at least 10 years on this brand. Yeah, and that's one that, again, when it came out, it was so different because the band looked different, the box, the blue box looked different. But a very nice cigar with a nice medium, medium plus profile, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, La Vega Especial binder from the Dominican, Dominican, Brazilian, Nicaraguan filler, very aromatic, very flavorful, very different than the Macanudo Cafe, 
but a very pleasant cigar all the way around at a very good price point. Yeah, that 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 blend is is one of my favorites. It does bring in that Brazilian Matafina, which uh, is uh, you know unique. It gives it a little bit of a, a, a twist. And um, this is this has been another one that uh, you know just fans fans love it. And um, the uh, you know it's it's an interesting cigar. To your point, it, it kind of doesn't fit the Macanudo mold with that interesting band and the, the name and uh people ask me where that name came from and honestly uh, uh it, it was before my time but uh, great cigar and uh, certainly one that uh i love smoking um when i when i when i cross it now finally in the macanudo portfolio the macanudo vintage 2010 Connecticut shade wrapper that is aged 10 years, Honduran binder, Dominican Pelota Cubano 94, five-year aged Honduran, three-year aged Nicaraguan. Not a cigar for everybody, not a cigar that uh, certainly is going to be at the top of the retailer's shelf because they are somewhat limited with 10-year aged tobacco, but that delivers just an exceptional, creamy, very pleasant smoking experience. Yeah, that's been one of my my recent favorites that I've been smoking quite a bit of, um, very smoke, very smokable. Um, and again, it just brings kind of a, a unique, interesting smoking experience for me. Um, it's a great story because, um, the, the 2010 crop year in the Connecticut Valley, uh, Connecticut, Connecticut river Valley was the hottest on record in, uh, you know, the last, 15 to 20 years. So if you look at the you know, July or August date, uh, right when um, you know the tobacco is is kind of a, right in its maturity point, about ready to be harvested, um, hot days, warm nights are ideal conditions for a just a great crop year, and that's exactly what we got in the 2010 uh, crop crop uh and so we we put that we knew it was special we put that up for aging aged it for 10 years and then brought it um out uh this year with the vintage 2010 so you know macanude has always done vintage over the years we've had you know different vintage crop years this one is this one is truly special uh and um it's it's certainly one of my favorites that one uh actually is kind of in the process of hitting stores right now so at something uh, your listeners can we could all go out and check that out and, and and we'll probably start seeing that here in the next couple weeks uh the macanudo 2010 vintage has there been another vintage year between 2010 and today uh there's ones that we're evaluating sometimes you need to let the tobacco you Except know to, to try to see how it actually matures and um, so there is one that I've got my eye on, um, but uh, we haven't confirmed it yet. So if, let's say hypothetically, you find that to be a vintage year after it's sat for a while and you tested it, then you would come out with it, say, down the road after the vintage 2010s are sold out. You may look and say, okay, we'll come out with hypothetically the Macanudo vintage 2018, or it could be down the road, I mean, 2023 or 25, that you constantly evaluate on a yearly basis? Yeah, I mean, that's, we only have a certain amount of that 
a 2010 wrapper. So, you know, that is going to deplete at some point. So certainly I'm, I'm always on the lookout and working with our, our tobacco team to uh, see really where, where those opportunities are, where, where are those vintage crop years, and, and can we identify them quickly so we can put them up, you know, because we don't want to use it. If it's a vintage year and we don't recognize it, uh, you know, we don't want to use it all up before we can put that away and put some great aging on it and come out with a, another vintage year down the road. Will you only release a limited number of the Macanudo Vintage 2010 every year, say over the next few years, so you do have enough to get by over a period of time? We do have, we, right now we do have enough to meet demand. And so we don't have, depending on what demand looks like, we, you know, and how, and how people, how, you know, how, how popular is, et cetera. We don't know exactly when that is going to run out, but uh, when it does, what we'll do is, you know, we'll discontinue it and uh, let everybody know that there's, there's no more. And then hopefully we'll have another vintage to replace that. And if not, then, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait until that next vintage year is available. Let's move over to your other baby, if you will, and that is La Gloria Cubana, and that is known as the original boutique cigar. Going back to Ernesto Perez Carrillo way back when he created that, he was known at the time as uh, the godfather of boutique cigars, and that still remains today. La Gloria Cubana is really those people that have a passion for La Gloria Cubana have a tremendous passion for it. And let's talk about the Medio Tiempo, because that was the Officers Club, in August, great cigar, uh, corrections, uh, September, great cigar, medium bodied, Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, USA Connecticut broadleaf, giving it a little bit of sweetness. And then you use a USA Havana Connecticut Medio Tiempo in the filler, Dominican Peloto Cubano in the filler, Nicaraguan Esteli, and Honduran La Entrada. Four country filler, very unique cigar, great price point. Just unique to me, medium, nice little spicy, almost uh, little notes of, um, of sweet espresso to me. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that cigar. And, um, you know, it's, it's been very well received uh, by, you know, cigar smokers out there. And uh, it, it, it's, it's really a testament to, I think, what you mentioned earlier about the boutique, you know, our, our boutique roots in this brand. So uh, La Gloria Cubana, um, and back to your original comment where, uh, you know, you, you've, you've, been, you've been down to the factory uh, in Santiago, Dominican Republic, to uh, tour the General Cigar Factory down there. And what a lot of people don't know is that there is a factory within a factory. So we have... We make all the uh, La Gloria Cubana cigars in the El Credito factory, which right. is a factory within a factory uh, down in the, in the general cigar um, broader complex. And what that means is that there is uh, a unique group of about 100 artisans that uh, they're in a separate part of the building. They all wear different... Uh, uniforms. There's uh, interesting family connections. There's husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, 
And uh, they um, are specially trained in making the larger ring gauge cigars of La Gloria Cubana and um, working with the particular tobaccos um, that uh, the, the brand um, puts out. And really, that series, the Series R, was the first of the large, super large ring gauges to be released. But before we get into the Series R, we got to talk about the classic, the La Gloria Cubana, which for many years was made at the El Credito factory in Little Havana on Cayocho. Now it's made in the Dominican Republic. Comes in a ton, talk about Macanudo Cafe with a ton of sizes. Same thing with the La Gloria Cubana. I think the Wavell has probably been the number, got to be amongst the number one selling sizes, the Robusto, five inches by 50. And the Macanudo, the binder and filler are the same on, on both the uh, Ecuadorian Sumatra version, the natural, and the Connecticut broadleaf. Nicaraguan binder, Dominican Nicaraguan filler, but the natural wrapper is Ecuadorian Sumatra, and that was one of the first cigars to really use that wrapper, which now has exploded in popularity. And, of course, the Connecticut Broadleaf USA, which is going to give you some sweetness, nice, dark, rich espresso look to it. But both of those cigars are in the medium-bodied category, and they are as popular today as they were back uh, in the cigar boom. When I first started the show in July of 1995, good luck trying to get La Gloria Cubana cigars. You couldn't get them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, not a lot of back in the day. That was what, uh, in the 90s, right? I yeah, think 95. Was... When I started the show, it was 95. And I would say yeah. right around, I'll never forget, around 94, 95, 96, I'd go down to Miami and go down to the El Credito factory. And it was basically they had this box of the different sizes. And they'd say, we've got them, but no boxes, you know, uh, uh, just bundles only. And I'm like, fine, give me the bundles. No problem. But that, that was very, yeah. very, that was in the boom. That was huge. Yeah, and, and that cigar was one of the, I think it was the first small manufacturer rated by Cigar Aficionado. And um, hence the, the, the kind of the term, the original boutique brand, is because really, I mean, nobody knew about this small factory in the El Credito factory in Miami and Little Havana right. before that rating came out and, and boom uh the the rest was history after that yeah and the, the original la gloria cubana i mean talk about the wavel which is the robusto size i think you're talking about maybe six dollars seven dollars suggested retail right something like that in, the, in that category but i mean it comes what is it coming about a dozen sizes steve it comes, yeah, it's, there's a dozen, about a dozen sizes. And when you add them, some Maduro versions on there, it's, it's quite, uh, there's quite a, a broad portfolio of that cigar. So there's really something, that, you know, you, you can really find uh, the size you want in that, in that brand for sure. Yeah, the Charlemagne, which is a Presidente size, seven and a quarter inches by 54 ring gauge. You're talking for that cigar just on, I think it's seven ninety five suggested retail, and that is to me that is in the value price point today. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's a great value for for the money, and um, you know, it's just a brand, it's just a blend that uh, people have been smoking for a long time, and just continues to deliver uh, what people are looking for. So very happy with how. You know, we've been able to maintain the quality, consistency over the years, 
and um, and and really deliver something that's just a, a real joy to smoke and at a reasonable price. Well, speaking of a joy to smoke, the La Gloria Cubana Serie R definitely fits that category. When that cigar came out, that was revolutionary. I mean, at the time, nobody saw 56, 58, 60 ring gauges. There was nobody, and Ernesto came out with that, and that just... that. The market just exploded, and that's is. I've got to believe that Serie R has got to be amongst the number one selling within the La Gloria Cubana portfolio. Yes, it is, and it's still a, a, a powerhouse, really across the general cigar portfolio, the broader general cigar portfolio. It's just um, people love to smoke that cigar, whether it's the natural version or the Maduro version. It, it brings that larger ring gauge size, um, and but it's just got the right amount of, of um, I, I, it's just got the, the 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 right amount of kind of medium to full smoking experience uh, in that Ecuador and Sumatra wrapper, and, and it's got some Nicaragua in the binder and filler, and and Dominican uh, in the filler as well. So uh, it just comes together really nicely, and and again, year after year of. of delivering a, uh, a consistent smoking experience that's just uh, been really enjoyable for all, all the people out there that, that um, love to smoke it. Yeah, you can't go wrong with either the Ecuadorian Sumatra, the natural, or the broadleaf. I love the broadleaf because I just love a Maduro. But if, if somebody says, hey, do you want a Sumatra or broadleaf? I'm like, pick it. You can't go wrong with either one. That it's just a tremendous blend, tremendous construction. The price is fantastic, and that cigar again really changed, I believe, the entire cigar industry when that was launched. I think now that's got to be going back, Steve. I'm thinking maybe 20 years ago. It's been a long time. Yeah, it was introduced in 1999, if you can believe. 99, that. 22 so years. That's, that's incredible. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I still remember when it was launched. I remember when Ernesto was at the Cigar Retailers Convention, and every the, the whole buzz was, we got to see this cigar. And I had seen Ernesto at the factory a few months before, and he gave me a few, and I'm like, uh, what is this? He said, just smoke it. And I said, man, the first thing I said is, geez, these cigars are huge. You think people are going to buy these? He said, I have no idea. We're going to give it a try. They bought them in droves, and it really set the precedent for larger ring gauge, where now you see a 6x60 or a 7x70 is very commonplace. So the Siri R from La Gloria Cubana, that really set the tone. Let's move into a cigar that uh, you released from La Gloria Cubana not that long ago, the Esteli. Definitely a different flavor. Definitely, I'd say, a distinctively bold cigar, more on the full-bodied side. Nicaraguan Jalapa wrapper. Honduran Hamastron binder, Honduran Hamastron filler, and Honduran La Entrada filler, but that definitely has got a lot of richness to it. Yeah, we were just trying to bring, again, looking at sort of what we were offering and where were the gaps, we, we really wanted to bring uh, a cigar that had more, I'd say, Nicaraguan, Honduran kind of notes to it. So it does have that Nicaraguan uh, wrapper and the, the Honduran binder and filler. And uh, when we, you know, when we laid that all out on the table and, and compared it to, you know, what we were currently offering in, uh, in like the, the classic white box that we just talked about or the Siri R, and, uh, it, it just brought, the, you know, that more of that Honduran 
kind of those Honduran notes to it, uh, cedar, space, or white pepper. Um, and that's that's been a, a, a nice fan favorite too. And, um, at a, and again, that's at a reasonable price too, because that's, you know, the Robusto size is, is just around a little under a, uh, five and a half dollars. So for, for a cigar, so not, not, a, not a bad value if, um, you're kind of looking for, you know, an every, a good everyday cigar. And La Gloria Cubana has a unique niche because there's nothing on the mild side. Everything in La Gloria Cubana is medium to medium full to full. So it's a medium plus lineup. Knows ex- I think people, when you say La Gloria Cubana, they know exactly the type of flavor profile they're going to get. And a cigar that you maintain that flavor profile in, which I think is a fabulous cigar. I love how it feels in the hand, but it doesn't get as much attention as the the classic or the Serie R. That is the La Gloria Cubana Spanish Press. Yeah, Spanish Press is an, an interesting blend because it, it brings in, you know, uh, it's a, it has a Nicaraguan wrapper and, and a Mexican binder and then fillers from Nicaragua, Dominican, and Brazil. And it's... Uh, it's box pressed, so this, you know, hence the name Spanish press. Um, and we were, you know, we were looking at uh, kind of honoring the old Spanish press style of box pressing these cigars. So uh, it's a medium, uh, a medium bodied. It's it's got real kind of nutty, earthy notes to it, light sweetness. Uh, again, I think that Brazilian kind of brings in kind of a different twist to it. So, you know, some people love this cigar and some people um, not so, you know, not so much. So it, it really depends on your, your, uh, you know, your preference. And, uh, but that's, you know, I love those kind of cigars that, you know, people, you know, I don't, I don't want to do a, you know, one that uh, every, everybody kind of likes. I'd rather have a cigar that some people love and, and some people don't, and, and that's that's okay. Uh, but um, this one is a it's a, it, it's it's one of the ones that uh, I I find myself kind of reaching for um, when I'm I'm looking for something interesting to smoke. Now you came out with a cigar that I don't believe is available anymore. The selection or the collection Reserva, which was to celebrate uh, the 25th anniversary of the brand. Uh, me, it was medium to full bodied. I don't believe that's available anymore. Correct? Yeah, that was that was one we actually did with a partnership with Ernesto, uh, and uh, he made those cigars for us. And um, you know that that uh, we did that for a, a couple years. And so again, if that's one, if you see it out on the uh, the shelf, it uh, was very well received. People love that cigar. But um, it's not available anymore. So uh, grab it up if you do see it. Yeah, used a. Re- I remember used a really nice equi- dark Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, which Ernesto loves to use, obviously. But that was really a nice medium-bodied yeah. cigar. And everything, as I said, in the La Gloria Cubana lineup, you're talking medium to medium plus to full. So everybody that again that the connoisseurs that love that cigar that that like that taste profile, they gravitate towards that, and it's just a very unique brand it's just got that legacy cuban heritage and certainly ernesto's roots to that brand being from cuba originally knowing what he wanted and general cigar has done a great job at carrying that through so the medio tiempo was the last cigar that you launched 
Now, you've got the La Gloria Cubana Criollo de Oro that is coming out using a hybrid seed. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so we've got um, some fields in Mao. So you you mentioned earlier in the show um, when you went down to visit the factory down in the Dominican Republic um, that you went up into the fields. And those are about an hour away, a little more, give or take an hour, um, northwest of Santiago. And um, there we have grown some interesting tobaccos. We've um, we use seeds from Colombia uh, and grew those in the Dominican Republic in Mao and use those in the uh, Inspirado Brazilian shade. We've um, grown uh, uh, seeds for um, some uh, upcoming launches that uh, we'll have in 2022. But specifically, this one was a, a cross between the Pelo de Oro, uh, which is uh, a, a tobacco from Cuba that uh, as, as is known for its flavor, but uh, is is really difficult to grow because it's acceptable to, uh, you know, I believe mold. It just no, nobody wants to grow it because it's just the yields are terrible. Um, and so the Pelo de Oro crossed with a Criollo 98. And so we're calling it uh, Criollo de Oro. And um, we've just found that this uh, particular tobacco delivers a, you know, a very rich and flavorful smoking experience. And so we did a, you know, a small crop of that out of our mouth fields. And um, we had that uh, in fermentation uh, for about a year and a half and, um, uh, and, uh, or fermentation and aging. And um, now we are ready to launch that here in October. And I think it's on its way to stores now. So that's something also that, you know, we made, I think, about 3,100 boxes of it, two sizes in you know, total. So, you know, there's not, not going to be a lot on the market. So if you do see that one, it's, it's an interesting smoke. You know, uh, I, I really like it. It's, um, it's nothing like I've, I've experienced. Um, but... Um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a kind of one of those interesting things that that showcases the El Credito and and what uh, what what we're trying to do to to you know just deliver new and exciting smoking experiences to um, cigar lovers. So very limited, thirty one hundred boxes. When they're gone, they are gone. Now let me ask you this, Steve, without giving too much information, but tell us some of the cigars we may see in 2022 or some brand blends yeah, you're working we're, on yeah we're working we're working with our fan base the uh we have a a group of fans um that started on on facebook it was the La gloria cubana society so these are um you know, cigar smokers who love you know uh smoking La gloria cubana so we tap them to develop our next cigar so we went through you know we sent some surveys out uh we uh we actually uh based on those surveys we blended up three different options and then sent them out for evaluation and uh people smoked them uh told us which ones they liked and we took that information back and right now we're uh we're working on the packaging. We're going to get them to weigh in on the packaging as well. And 
we're we're planning on launching that in the uh, right around I think the uh, March April time period of next year. So look for that one. That's going to be the Lagoria Cabana Society cigar. And that'll be available at every retailer or just limited retailers. And that'll be available at every retailer, uh, and uh, but limited quantities. So you know you want to you want to get that one when it's out there. And uh, but but excited to get that you know fan feedback and um, really see what uh, people wanted and what their reaction was. And um, it was a great it's a great experience for me uh, to to really see you know what people like and what they didn't like and and how that translates into the next La Gloria Cubana cigar. So March 2022, the La Gloria Cubana Society cigar. You will see that on retailer shelves, limited quantities. You heard it first here on the Cigar Dave Show. Steve, as always, it is a pleasure to have you on. Really enjoyed talking about your background and talking about, obviously, the, your, your two babies, and that is Macanudo and La Gloria Cubana, two well-known, well-respected, big-selling brands, and just a delight to have you on for our Cigar Masters series. Thank you, Dave, so much for having me, and I just enjoy your show, and thank you so much. Many thanks to Steve Abbott, Senior Brand Manager, General Cigar, who oversees Macanudo, La Gloria Cubana Portfolios, longtime friend of the Cigar Dave Show. We enjoy having him on and all the great folks at General Cigar. They certainly take pride in making fantastic cigars. Macanudo, La Gloria Cubana, can't go wrong. Next week, as Turkey Day approaches, we will uh, conduct... Turkey Day preparation maneuvers next week for the Cigar Dave Show. As always, don't forget, if you have uh, any comments, questions, make sure you send me an email, CigarDave at CigarDave.com. Follow us on social media, Twitter at Cigar Dave Show, Facebook Cigar Dave, Cigar Dave the General. Say, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. And a very happy wedding to Cigar Sister Lynn.